On this episode, we discuss the gray man. More like the bored identity, am I right? Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm the special podcasting operative known as Elliot Kalen. Uh, that's my code mm, name. My real name, though, is your name Elliot is Kalen. Not cool enough. It's not cool enough, Elliot Kalen. Mm, if you're going to be an operative, if you're going to be a top secret operative, you need like mm-hmm. a cool mm-hmm. name, something that just sticks right in the brain. So, <laughs> something that something like connotes C- dullness, <laughs> <laughs> or something like Sierra Six, which sounds like a a, a seltzer of water of some kind. So we're going to get into this when we talk about the movie, <laughs> but we're talking about a character who is introduced to us with the name Cortland Gentry. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 no. He's going to be Sierra Six from now on. <laughs> which, like, what's, as the person there- who is. As the person who was taking notes to summarize his yeah. movie, I found it very convenient that all I had to write was six. Yeah, over and over again. Yeah. They they said, what's dumber than Cortland Gentry? I know Sierra. But what if we mm-hmm. could make that even dumber? Sierra six? Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's- with- Numbers are all the rage these days. Yep. At 11 over on Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. People, people love numbers. Pe- yeah. People <laughs> like 11, they will like five less than her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or five better. I guess we'll oh, find out. Potentially, first, yeah. yeah we'll depends see, on what you're... Dan, what do we do on this podcast? We don't just talk about numbers. This isn't What's Your Number, oh, yeah, the yeah. movie, the podcast. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast where we talk about movies that were uh, critical or commercial flops. Um, and uh, in this case, I know you're going to say something about Topeka. Also, there's a secondary Topeka-related mission statement. Uh just opinions on Topeka. But in this case, Calm down, the great I wasn't man, even going to say it. I was kind of done with that bit. But uh, you, you want to keep it going, Dan. Well, we you keep seemed, it going. Yeah. You, you had this look on your face like you're going to oh, say was, something. I, was so actually, I, assume, I, was gonna, I presumed that was it. I was actually going to say, and this might be what you were going to say, I think we might have to change our remit because the idea of a commercial flop is so much harder to understand now. The Gray Man is a Netflix original, so who knows how well it did? Nobody. That is why I you know, say critical or commercial flop. That and to... Uh, fend off the the people on the internet who are constantly like, I thought that was a financial success. I'm like, look, yeah. man, it's just a name. Don't get hung do, up do on it. Do people actually do that? I wish. <clears throat> yes, they do yep. it all the time. And I'm like, I wish, honestly, at this point, I wish I could go back in time, change the name to something that mm-hmm. yeah. is makes no reference to something that could be in, misinterpreted that way because I don't mm-hmm. like having to be uh-huh. like, look, we're going to do whatever movie we want to do, ultimately. So Dan is the podcaster equivalent of King Kong standing on the Empire State Building, and these <laughs> internet people are the biplanes that are flying around bothering him with their incessant <laughs> no, questions. W- listen. Until he drops listen, off love, out of sheer sheer uh, boredom. But Dan, what you're saying is I, what, I love what, what that you're saying, you Dan, is, to us. is if you could turn back time, 
Uh-huh. If you could find a way, you would change yeah. the name of this podcast to something else. Now imagine Dan is yeah. twirling around in a thong bodysuit with sailors all around. Hey, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us, Elliot. <laughs> now Netflix Netflix does not release numbers, but they do. They, they have release number six, was... Sierra Six, Star of the Gray Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And, and wait 11. a minute, there's 11 who's on Stranger Things, a Netflix show. <laughs> Sounds like Netflix releases a lot of numbers, Dan. Station 11, true. of course, is on HBO. According to Netflix, this was very uh, successful for them. But it was, and it wasn't even like a critical flop, let's say. It's a critical, eh. Despite not uh, being good. But, also, I'll say this, Dan. Yeah. Netflix uh, likes to play, I feel a little fast and loose with the numbers, since I'll turn it on and they're like, this movie is the most watched movie in the world. By the way, it's yeah. on your home screen and it's playing right now unless you press a button. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait, does this count as a view? I'm not watching this. this. I feel like they are. It's a little unfair that they're like, it's amazing. Everybody in the world is watching Squid Game merely because we forced it onto their TV screens whenever they opened the our most, app. That's what they do the in The most popular album is this shitty U2 album that no one wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Apple could say it's the most most downloaded album in Music history is this U2 one they mm. shoved onto my phone, and I deleted that shit as fast as I could. I felt that's the maybe the most violent, and this shows how entitled and, and privileged my life has been. That was the most yeah. violated I ever felt, was, was oh, opening wow. up my phone and seeing this U2 album. Again, says more about me. First world problems. First world problems. I don't even hate U2 as much as, like, most people seem to They're these days. Fine. Like it's fashion. It's fashionable to dislike, but they put out some really strong albums in the past. I don't want this one. Who can <laughs> who can this forget who can forget is that, not to my taste. That whole thing on the pop tour where Bono was like the devil on a phone call with somebody. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. The Spider-Man musical, mm-hmm. wonderful. I guess that was only two members of U2. The two U2, mm-hmm. they call them. The U2 two. Yeah. Uh but yeah, this yeah. I don't want a U2 album Bedge. shoved onto my phone. Bedge, they call it. That's now that we're celebrity. on the subject of talking about numbers <laughs> like U2, let's uh-huh. talk about okay. the number six, the hero of the movie, <laughs> The Gray Man. Now featuring featured on Netflix, according to my television, it's in the top 10 of all movies. <laughs> now, Not- I have a question. Why is this movie called, I know it's based on a book called The Gray Man. They barely uh-huh. ever refer to him the gray, as the gray man. I think they do it once. Well, Why don't they just call he, it number six or something like that? Or Sierra Six. Well, I am number six. Is I already mean, a movie, I, right? As, as much as, as I'm number four, I think. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, number six as is much as, Patrick McGowan's character oh, from The Prisoner, but yeah. they never call him the gray man. Dan, sorry, I keep interrupting you on purpose. As much <laughs> as the gray man is a uninspiring name, I think Sierra Six or Six would be a less inspiring Well, they're, those are the name. only three titles Unless possible. you're talking about the musical Six, which has some, you know, it's real, great. like, bangers in it. Thumbs up. But, uh... <laughs> it's a huge hit. I mean... Yeah, it's the great. gray man. He he works in a gray area. He was. Uh, but but he I'm was... just saying they should call him that more in the movie because they just say it yeah. once. And I mean, a lot of times he's wearing like just... a gray tracksuit. True, Elliot. Were you True. not Were you not listening to me before when I was talking about the flop house? It's just a name. You can name anything, <laughs> oh, whatever right. the fuck. Uh, you yeah, you can just I've name been it. Hoisted whatever. on hoisted on our own flop tard. You're right. I should have been. I should have been more uh, more sensitive to the fact that they don't. They could just name a movie whatever. They don't have to be okay. into yeah. that movie. So the gray man begins in 2003 in a Florida state prison. We're introduced to prisoner Ryan Gosling, whose character again is named Cortland Gentry, who is uh, trading quips with- <laughs> which, which, uh, which does sound like the name of a, of a kind of mid-level hotel. 
Yeah. Like a regional hotel. <laughs> yeah. Cor- yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's trading quips with CIA agent Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, he is a lifetime criminal who's been in prison since he was 15 years old uh, and seems to have a very good prison barber shop because, uh, I mean, he looks great. And I mainly commented on because Billy Bob Thornton has that very traditional CIA agent look of coming off a three day bender. <laughs> Uh, it's great. Thumbs up. <laughs> I think that's more of a traditional Billy Bob Thornton look. But he looks yeah. so much. He looks so much more cleaned up later on. I'm guessing it's the wig that's department's true. problem. Um, yeah. So we're introduced to this character. We'll find out later on because I'm not going to go through every single uh, jump around and flashback or whatever. But right. he's in. He's in jail because he uh, killed his dad for abusing him and his brother. He was protecting his brother. Uh, so he killed his dad and then is was sentenced to like 30 some years in prison which is a lot for a 15 year old. Well his dad was the president um, though. Oh that actually makes oh, sense. Wow. Yeah yeah. Yeah. So I am going to say that uh Stuart not to throw you off track too early. It's okay. Uh my Ryan Gosling plays such a bland nothing character in this. We're given so little reason to like him and it felt when you, when in the movie you find out about this killing his dad for abusing him and his brother much later and by the time it showed up I was like too little too late movie. I am yeah. it is past the window where you I can care about this character and it felt very He's a gray man. He's, he's but you can, I mean here's the thing Dan maybe you called the gray man but you make him an interesting character for the audience. Uh but if it I mean I found Gosling perfectly likable in this like I, Gosling's a weird one for me. Like, uh, I he's think a baby he, goose. Mm-hmm. I I think for me he's at his best when he's allowed to play a little funnier. Yes. Like this is not really a, one of his. I mean, his he funny has quips. Roles, but he has a lot of quips. But it's it's a, it is a role that I feel like it is usually a good role has two pillars. Let's say one is a well written character and one is the charisma of the actor. And this role has one pillar, which is just Ryan Gosling's charisma. And yeah. he has there's yeah. no there's no written character there for him to lean on. And it's even. And you see it even more with Anna de Armas's character, who has nothing. She has no character written for. Her. It's entirely yeah, resting yeah. on her shoulders, you know. And it's so it's. I by the time they got to that, I was like, movie. If he lives in the gray area, just make him like a morally conflict, morally complex dude. Up to this point, he's like, you know, they're trying to make him into a good guy, good guy, which doesn't I, work for me. I I wouldn't mind it. I mean, like I mind it more with Anna de Armas not having more of a character because number one, we saw how fun she is as a, as a goofy spy in no time to die. Oh, but so much fun. Also like, then it becomes like a trend of like having like a bunch of like boring characters. If, if our lead character, like the thing, I think the idea is that we see him being abused later on and the form it takes is, uh, his dad, you know, burning him with a, a cigarette lighter or maybe a cigar. We don't see what actually made the burn, but, but him being like, if as long as you can, you know, stay calm through this, you know, you'll you'll be unstoppable. And yeah, that's fear is the of, mind killer. That is the gray man's superpowers. He is preternaturally calm. just sort of self self possessed and calm while all this chaos is going on around. And that could could work, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't for you, Elliot. No, it didn't for it. It very much. Well, I have. I will get to get to it. I have a lot of I have a lot of issues with this. What what at first I was like, oh, this is kind of a mediocre programmer by the end of it i was i found myself actually offended by the existence of the movie in some okay, ways okay so we'll we're almost done with the first scene uh, <laughs> uh billy bob thornton's character whose name is fitz i think fitzroy, uh, well, fitz. but they call fitzroy. him fitz. yeah. yeah they call him fitz named after he the offers, classic x-men villain of the same name 
Well, let's get back to that first scene. So, uh, Fitz. <laughs> I'll just say, Fitz offers him a role to see a, as, a, as a hitman. That's, that's basically it. Thank you. He does. He offers to commute his sentence if he uh, engages in a lifetime of being a CIA hitman. Boom. That is our setup. We have to accept it. Is it silly? <laughs> yes, but it's an action movie. Whatever. Let's let's fucking get on this. Uh, we, we bought the ticket. We paid for our Netflix yeah. subscription. Let's just take this ride, guys. I'm willing. I'm uh, willing to suspend my disbelief and continue with the Hollywood idea that the CIA is this sort of masterful, shadowy organization that just murders people secretly, left and right, and you never find out about it. Even though all the evidence in the movie is that every operation is a total fuck up, that with nonstop collateral damage, and it reminded me so much. We'll get to it. But it reminded me so much of. Firestarter when they're like, Rainbird's the best in the business. And it's like, really? He kills 10 extra people for every target you send yep. him after. Like, yep. Yeah, you get this pr- tremendous value. That's true. Tremendous it, value. It, it, amortized over like, a dollar per bullet. It's amazingly, it's amazingly cheap, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it is now 18 years later in Bangkok. We know it's later because they tell us and because uh, six now has a little beard. That's Ryan Gosling's character. His name is Sierra Six. He's got a little beard. And then finally, Ana de Armas shows up and she is wearing this fucking amazing suit. She yeah, it's a great, great suit. So much charisma. Oh man, why couldn't she be the lead? Uh, we'll find out. Um, well, and yeah. and so, by the end of it, there's. Uh, we'll get when we get to the end of it. It's the most enjoyable moments for me were the end when she's running around with rocket launchers strapped to her back like a yeah. like Bugs Bunny, hurtling uh-huh, yep. hurtling past bad guys. That yeah. is definitely. A thought that I also had, though, where it's just like, well, she's played sort of like fourth banana in two spy movies now. Like, give her her own spy Make her movie. the first like, banana. Yeah. so much better. Mm-hmm. They should call the movie First <laughs> Banana. That's her code name. Uh, Agent First Banana. It. She's the best in the biz. She peels All the bad Schrader's guys. First Banana. <laughs> so Ana de Armas is like a partner, co-agent or something, and she gives uh, Six a little water pistol. Well, she, she's just um, assigned to – she's a different agent assigned to his case. She's not part of the Sierra yeah. program. She's, yeah. she's not one of the elite CIA hitmen. She's one of the slightly more commonplace, normal, everyday normal, CIA normal hitmen. hitmen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah. And this is specifically, this is a, uh, a specific non Sierra mission. Uh, he's getting orders directly from Langley uh, and is uh, from a shadowy figure, uh, the shadowy head of the CIA, uh, known as Denny Carmichael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a hilarious name to say over and over, uh, played by what Reggie Jean Page from yeah. uh, from Bridgerton, the guy who, the guy who's just skeeting all over the place. And he has the, uh, he doesn't he has, do any of that in this movie. No, 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 no. But he he has the he's the character in a lot of these spy movies who is kind of the villain, and he says things that make people that should sound tough, but no one in the movie takes him seriously. As a yeah. as a bad, he he reminds me of Kelsey Grammer Danny. in Money Plane, where like mm-hmm. from the his Rumble. point of view, he is the baddest of badasses, but nobody takes him seriously that way. And that was when I realized, yeah. wait a minute, this movie is just a Warren Ellis comic where everyone's yeah. just kind of well, talks he, tough all the time and shoots each other. He keeps referring to uh, the old man who is the person really in charge, yes. who who we do not meet, and is a clear setup for further gray gray man adventures. Oh, you think so? I wasn't sure about that. Great man ventures. Because I, I think we do meet him at the very end, right? He's the one who who gives them a talking to. I thought by the old man, I thought they just meant the head of intelligence. You know. Um, so uh, Six does not take the shot to kill the target he's been hired to kill because a kid gets in the way. So he has to do it up close. So we get a little action sequence where he's like killing a bunch of dudes. Turns out the target that when he corners him, the target 
is number four, Sierra Four, one of his his brothers in arms, a fellow assassin who has a uh, they get in a fight in like a little fireworks area. And uh, <laughs> yeah, six wins. They seem to be in some, sort it's of a fireworks cool, launching alley. <laughs> like, yeah. like they fell into the sewers <laughs> of Bangkok and it was full of fireworks. The fireworks pit. Uh, <laughs> six wins and four, because he has been bested, hands six a secret medallion that we will later find out has a even more secret little thumb drive in it. <laughs> Uh, Carmichael and Six have a phone call. Denny Carmichael's not happy with this situation. Six is like, I'm going to go on the road. I'm going to go rogue. So he goes off the grid. He, uh, borrows somebody's clothes, which continues a trend where he asks everybody before he takes their outfit, he asks them Uh. if they're a 42 regular, which I checked. And I think, I think Ryan Gosling's a 42 regular. I'd buy it. Yeah. Glad that you fact checked. I double checked it. I also appreciate they didn't say like 42 long. I'm like, Brian, you don't have to lie about your height, buddy. You're six foot. You're, <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I think this this is one of a few different kind of forced, cute little runners. The other being for me went uh, the the uh, Fitzroy's niece's love of vintage pop, I guess, which is uh-huh. which I it was where it was like, can we give these characters like re- actual things? Can we give them actual personality I things? I don't know that that's. Uh, like that cute. I don't know, Elliot. I feel like oh, at no, this point I don't know. you've I don't been know worn about... down by watching so many movies that I don't, you're angry at. I don't know. I'm saying that like uh, I've seen a lot of movies where, like like um, Last Night in Soho and things like that, where young women are obsessed with the music of the guy, the music that the guy who made the <laughs> girls movie don't likes. like music. Says Elliot Kalin. <laughs> girls like lots of music, but I'd love to see a movie where girls listen to music that like girls listen to now, and not just what the, oh. what the guy who made the movie likes to listen to. You know, I mean, people listen to everything. Um, <laughs> that, that's true. So he, uh, so six it's calls. Not, it doesn't his... feel. It doesn't feel the same to me as in Booksmart when they do the karaoke of "You Ought to Know," where it was like, uh-huh. "I totally buy that. I buy that these girls are into yeah. this into this music, even though it's not the music of their era or whatever." You know? Yeah. Yeah. So six calls retired uh, friend, uh, mentor, father figure Fitz, who now like he looks great. He's got his gray hair. He's got a little mustache. He looks awesome. <laughs> uh, that's Billy Bob Thornton, uh, who seems to be still, despite being retired, he's still going to be six's ally. And he gives him some advice on a new extraction point. Meanwhile, back in Langley, Denny decides to overrule his, uh, I guess, uh, one of his agents played by Jessica Henwick, who is really great and doesn't get to do anything in this movie other than like, you know, like tut tut and be mad at Chris, uh, Chris Evans. So he there decides, were long, uh, period, there were long periods in the movie where I forgot she was in the movie and yeah. then she would show up to tell Chris Evans, oh, you can't do that. And then she'd go back to the craft service. <laughs> you can't let or... a dog play basketball. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm going to do it. There's a version of this movie where – there's a version of this movie where Ana de Armas is six and Jessica Henwick mm-hmm. is Denny, and it's instantly a more interesting movie. Instantly. Yeah, Denny or, Denny or the 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 villain that Denny brings in, which is yeah. played, is Lloyd Hansen, played by Lloyd Chris Hansen. Evans. Uh, yep, he's one of the Hansen brothers, now a uh, a assassin, <laughs> a, assassin oh, is that for his hire. Backstory? Wait, he's one yep. of the Hansen brothers. You didn't you didn't you didn't pick that up? I thought it was I all context pick, clues. I didn't pick that. I, I missed the scene. I guess where he just said "bop" and then walked into another room. Yeah. Or, you know. This movie's filled with tiny little Easter eggs like that, Elliot. (laughs) Chris Evans is having all of the fun that Ryan Gosling is not allowed to have, although he's basically playing Henry Cavill from the last Mission Impossible. Complete with mustache. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they, well, yeah, a lot of his personality comes from his mustache and his sort of like retro uh, 
like mid-century shirts he wears. Yep. Uh, I feel like but, they missed uh, it. They missed. Looks an great though. He looks great. He does. He looks great. They, he look. I mean, he's a handsome man. Yeah, he, uh, he mm-hmm. dresses well because someone dressed him. It's not like he picked out his own clothes. Maybe he did. I don't know. But I feel I mean, like he's they, got some serious cheeks on him. I feel like there was a like butt cheeks. Yeah. Or? Maybe it's. Yeah. Sure. Maybe it's because I mean the Avengers movie even pointed out what a great specify. butt he has. Yeah, yeah, of but uh, the yeah. uh, I feel like the. Uh, Knives Out, maybe because they got to do it first, they got to have this guy who is best known as Captain America kind of surprise the audience in turning out to be not a good guy. And I feel like this movie, I couldn't help because it's the Russo brothers that made it. I couldn't help thinking that they're like, now we're going to show Captain America being like a bad guy. But it never quite, it just doesn't, it doesn't come off the same way. And I was, I kept hoping for the moment where I'd be like, I can't believe I'm seeing Captain America do this. The same way that at the beginning of Once Upon a Time in the West, when you see that Henry Fonda has shot a child in the face, and you're like, "That's not what I expect Henry Fonda to do." Yeah. Like, I wish they could have played off. Certainly not the actor Henry Fonda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the fact that he should be in jail. The fact that he shot a child in the face on the set, and then they had to write it into the movie so that he didn't yeah, go to jail. Right. Yeah. True Hollywood stories. Um, so uh, <laughs> Lloyd is being brought in, but apparently he's a loose cannon. He's an independent contractor assassin with a huge network of uh, killers on hand. And he lives in a castle, I guess. <laughs> he has a um, seemingly unlimited budget. Like he must be spending billions budget, yeah. of dollars on this operation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, is he? did he set himself up at Versailles? What's going on <laughs> Yeah, so uh, basically in a, in a montage, we see that he kidnaps uh, Fitz's niece who we later find out as a pacemaker and uh, <laughs> a fetish for like old timey ra- uh, records, um, and, and <clears throat> is close to six. She, she and six yes. already have a relation, have a have a yep. fam- familial relationship. Yeah. Close, close to the person six. She's in in age. She's no no you know, in, in age. She's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, she's not, she's so five Bob, and three quarters. Her birthday's yeah. in a couple months. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton and she keeps is like, reminding us. Billy Bob Thornton, who is now being held captive by Lloyd, uh, orders six to be killed, uh, by the same extraction team he arranged. What a betrayal. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so we get a plane fight on this, <laughs> on this cargo plane, um, with like flares and smoke bombs. And it ends with a hole being blown in the side of the plane. And like six jumps out and has to like chase a guy while flying through the air to get his parachute. There's some neat ideas. Yeah, like, I feel like there's bits where, like where he keeps trying to get a parachute and it either gets sucked out or somebody else takes it. Like, yeah. I think that's kind of a neat idea. And there's some, there's some cool stuff, but it's it's so I don't know about you guys, but it was hard for me to follow this one. Yes, I I was wondering uh, I was wondering why, like this movie is trying very hard to do I feel like Mission Impossible type set pieces, and why in the last couple of Mission Impossible movies those set pieces are gorgeous and they all and they they're so exciting, and here I just couldn't get into them, and I wonder if that was it that it was kind of it was moving so fast it was hard for me to follow exactly what was happening sometimes. Yeah, there are some action set pieces in this that I actually like a. F- fair amount but this one is kind of hard to follow and it, it weirdly like cuts off before you would expect it to yeah. <laughs> like it kind of feels like the movie's like all right well you've seen one of these things where a guy dives after a guy and like does the thing where he makes his body small so he can catch up and get the parachute it's like you don't need to see before. it before yeah, yeah. So Scott just cut off right. pops out and explains it <laughs> it does feel like the movie goes and then it, the, the, the plane explodes and six is to jump out and he's going and yada, yada, yada. You got the idea. Anyway, he's calling you get Fitzroy. The rest. You get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the, it, it reminded me of the, uh, really fun plane fight level on uncharted three, uh, which <laughs> the, is great and is literally ends with you landing in the desert. And then the game just progressed from there. It's great. What a game. 
I like that. I have to say, in these movies, usually in these movies, there's the only the movie... one so far. I know they're making a sequel and a spinoff and... of some kind. There's I like on, on Wikipedia it says a spinoff <laughs> oh, film which will explore a different element of the Gray Man universe will be written by et cetera et cetera. What other elements of the Gray Man universe are there? There's nothing. I mean, it's... we can let's just hope it's on an armistice. I guess and, so. It's a paper thin universe. Uh no, I movies of this ilk. I am and I glad. know, wait, listeners, I know all universes are paper thin if you believe in the M-brain theory of stacked universes. Oh, Look, I don't know. Man, you would have been roasted online if Ugh. you hadn't given that so good save, dude. Disclaimer. I'm so glad I covered myself. Yeah. Uh, no, in movies of this ilk, they usually make it that, you know, Fitz would be the bad guy, like, like that we're supposed to be shocked that this character that we only now uh met and as a shadowy government person betrayed his like son like assassin character and i liked that this movie at least was like no 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 they actually have a good relationship uh it's just that he got pushed out and then like the one time that fitz is like forced to y- y- betray him they have a little call on the phone it's like uh yeah they've got my niece and 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 six is like oh okay cool like mm-hmm. understood yeah i get it <laughs> It's all in the game, baby. So uh, so at this point, Six has uh, managed to escape the first genuine attempt at his life. He is on the yeah. run. He landed in Turkey. So uh, Yum. And Lloyd has now scrambled assassins from all over the world. We see assassins from all different locations with, uh, you know, monuments and other landmarks in the background. So we're like, it's, oh, wow. Even it's, from, that's the Sydney Opera House. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and all the, and they're all walking up to their planes fully armed as if Six yeah. is going to jump out of the plane at them. And so many of them are wearing <laughs> yeah. like skull bandana masks. And it's like. You got to wear. You, I mean, <laughs> you, you put on your cutest outfit when you're going to kill <laughs> I guess so. But like best case scenario, you've got a plane flight to get to where six is. Like, relax. You got some time, you know? That's true. Put your so, yoga pants on. Get your so head. So it's a perfect pillow. time. It's a perfect time for us to have a flashback. Woo! <laughs> Two years ago, the gray man is wearing a dope suit and he has to be a babysitter for Fitz's <laughs> niece, whose identity has been leaked to, I don't know, assassins all over the world. And yeah. Denny Carmichael's like, I don't and J. care Jonah about James that. You don't need protection. Where Fitzroy lives on, on his yes. show, yeah. <laughs> so he has to, so Six, despite having no background in uh, babysitting, has to babysit <laughs> Fitz's niece, who has like a some glitchy kind of pacemaker. pacifier. I know. <laughs> like some kind of ninja next door. He's going to have some door. kind of adventure in babysitting. Yeah, like some kind of Mr. Nanny. So we we get a little reveal that one of uh, one of Six's tattoos is just the name Sisyphus on his arm. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, that's a good tattoo to get. She plays, uh, after having a scare with her pacemaker, she puts on a, a quirky record, which is perfect for an action sequence, mm-hmm. which is what we get. An assassin shows up, and Six beats him up pretty quick, uh, and it's fun. Okay, that was it. That was the whole flashback. We're <laughs> back, only, and back was, in present day in Vienna. That was just, to, and that's all just to set up that now Six cares about, Six also cares about this niece and, the, yeah. you know, yeah. Lloyd went too far in, in doing up that. Up until this point, we thought he might, if he met the niece, he might just gobble her up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a wolf lying like, in a bed like pretending to be a grandma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Saturn thinking he's eating a child, but it's just rocks. <laughs> Stupid Saturn. Uh, <laughs> Look under the swaddling clothes. What a fool. I, I didn't realize one idiot. of my kids was just super dense just, and round. Well I mean, down the gobbler he goes. 
Yeah, makes a, what a dumb sense. Titan. I mean, Hephaestus probably looks like a rock. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so. I like that uh, Stuart, Stuart is edging slowly into a Greek mythology hot or not section that I'm really excited <laughs> to finally hear. Oh, I thought it was the, the Stuart Wellington roast of Greek mythology. Oh, <laughs> no, too, hell yeah. yeah. You, th- you thought Kratos fucked up the Greek gods. Now it's time for Stuart. Uh, okay, hey, I see, so. I see, uh, I see King Midas is in the audience. Get a load of this asshole. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> How's wow, that gold silverware doing for you? I like you? to think that I'd be a little more specific than just say, hey, look at this asshole. But you know what? That's just how you I'm just start. buying time. Buying time to, for the old uh, wheels yeah. to start turning. Yeah. So we're, we're in oh, present day. Oh, I see Medusa's Indiana. here. Don't look. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, don't worry. We'll have more of these jokes as the show goes on, folks. Um, okay. <laughs> so Six meets up with a quirky hacker guy uh, to find the tracking information for Chloe's pacemaker um, and get new passport photos taken. So that, of course, means it's time for us a for a shirtless Ryan Gosling shot. He's covered in scars and tattoos, and he's completely yoked. Like, this dude looks amazing. Zero percent body fat. And you know what? Despite all those scars and tattoos, I think I could fix him, guys. Uh, you so know? Don't fall okay. into that trap. No, no, no. It's not your job to fix <laughs> yeah. him. That, no, don't fall into that trap. He's got a little beard. He's got that haunted look in his eye. He's got that, 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 he's more that little blonde he shock in the front of his hair for some reason. Yeah. He he does look like it uh, looks like he drinks out of court containers uh, behind the restaurant. So, um, okay. <laughs> Turns out that eccentric weirdo is actually a trap-based assassin. T- turns out what? this man who is essentially a spider in human form and is doing everything. He, he's giving off so many warning signs. Not since the uh, not since that New Yorker story about the girl who goes out with that guy and he stalks her and she's a cat person or something. Has there has mm-hmm. there been so many warning okay. signs in such quick succession? Yeah. Okay, so, yep, trap-based assassin traps him in a well. Uh, <laughs> like a spider, like a trap spider. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, while Six is MacGyver his way wait, out of the trap. Luckily, traps him in a well that we later found out has, has like, an escape kit in it that has everything he needs, but we'll get everything to that. Everything he needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Six uh, takes him a little while, but he does MacGyver his way out of that trap. Uh, meanwhile, Anadarmus yeah. is being interrogated by Denny Carmichael, who's a real <laughs> creep, keeps turning off the recording, yada, yada. He's basically, and uh, Ana de Armas' oh. character, is her character Miranda? What? Because they, they very, uh, yeah, Dan, she, her name is, she, her nobody name is, refers to her by name. Like she's only no. there to save Ryan Gosling every once in a while. According to Wikipedia, her name is Danny Miranda, which sounds like, Two first names. It sounds like like a, like a sitcom detective. Sitcom character. Yeah, but, hey, uh, but did, yeah, they I'm almost sorry. never refer to her by name because she just exists. Yeah, she just exists in her relationship to Six. She has no outside existence of her own whatsoever. Yep. So I lo- I lost focus for a moment because I was distracted by a tweet from Kevin Smith about how much he still bones his wife. Um, Dan, why are you looking the, at Twitter and especially Kevin Smith's Twitter while we're recording? <laughs> I don't. It was uh, our. Unless you, you need a notification. How old Dottie, our, our producer, retweeted it. That's why I saw it. But and you got so a How old Dottie retweet alert on your on yeah, your we, computer, and yep. you said, oh, I'll have to check this we, out. <laughs> we, no, we, well, I didn't think that we would go so fast that I would miss anything in this web of, of, of pieces Adventure, from other yeah. spy films, but apparently we already did pass something while I was not paying attention, which was, him being trapped in the well, and I, I just wanted to make a note of this, this, this uh, guy who makes fake passports and stuff. Mm-hmm. He is from moment one the most suspicious acting man. Yes, 
everything about him <laughs> says I'm I'm going to betray you and trap you in a well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and from <laughs> yeah. from my perspective as an audience member, look, I don't mind it that much because part of it is creating the tension of like something's going on here like, you know, uh like playing the audience that way, but on the other hand, 6 is supposed to be the world's greatest <laughs> a assassin. master spy. I mean, he is. I so guess you could you could see you could say maybe he's a blunt instrument or a scalpel. He knows how to kill. He doesn't know how to recognize danger. But it other but than also, the only, it also the only shows way, that his oh, back is up against the wall, and he he's knows desperate. that there's something up. But there's he has like no other options right now. I guess that's true because the only uh, short of a fly buzzing by this guy's face and his tongue zapping out and catching it and pulling it into his mouth. There, it, it, he <laughs> yeah. could not be more creepy and suspicious. Like there's no, I, for a moment, I worried that Six had wandered into the lair of a vampire and that the movie was about to take <laughs> yeah. a very abrupt turn. But that's where they call me the gray man. I can only operate at dusk because I can't be out in the light of the sun. I'm a vampire assassin. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, anyway, yeah, I, just, so he's I in a, just wanted to talk he's about He's in a guy. well. Anna de Armas is being questioned because she was just trying to do her job. But now, yep. uh, now Denny suspects that she's also in on this thing that – have we learned what, what's on that thumb drive yet or no? No, no. Okay. And he, uh, and he of course – and he threatened – you know, he threat, he takes her off active duty and she's like, well, I'm not going to stand for that. Um, you know, I and, can't – you mean I'm not allowed to go back into the field and help Ryan Gosling kill people and cause mm-hmm. massive damage? <laughs> That's uh, not why I got into this job. Meanwhile, Chris Evans uh, shoots his own pilot, so they will make an emergency landing in Vienna with his little hit squad, uh, which is perfect timing because uh, Ryan Gosling, uh, six, manages to uh, make an explosion uh, and escape right as uh, Chris Evans and his hit team arrive. Uh, Six carves through those goons uh, like a hot knife through goons. What? I have two things to say about this escape from the well. One... He creates an explosion which blows away the guys who are at the edge of the pit. Yet Ryan Gosling, who is inside the pit where the explosion takes place, is totally fine and jumps right out. I don't mm-hmm. understand where this explosion happened. Maybe he threw it up in the air and it, I don't know. Well, he swam way down to the bottom of the well oh, okay. and the explosion is at the top. Second, Although it does seem like d- debris would crumble into <laughs> I mean, gravity would make him, it harder but, than it seems. That, I mean, he shaped the explosion, I guess, so everything shot right out. But also, yeah. where did he get the stuff that he's using? From like, is there just like a case he of had tools it in, in the his well? Backpack. Did he no, go no, he into the well it, with he his, had backpack? his backpack? Yeah. yeah. yeah he, oh, okay. Yeah, he like laid out all the stuff that was. Yeah, yeah. He, he had we a bunch were of stuff. Learning the. There's also <laughs> pipes and a, a water main and all kinds of shit. You scoff there. at me for eating mango, but the the dishwashing seems to have. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Your, That's it. I, I missed That's that. True. You're right. I missed that he has a backpack on. <laughs> okay, so uh, he kills all the goons. Uh, he exchanges a little bit of banter with Lloyd, uh, but then he's rescued at the last minute by Anna de Armas, who uh, decides to help Six track down that mystery drive uh, that he mailed to retired CIA chief Alfre Woodard, who is currently living in Prague. Open the mail for your mystery drive. Mm-hmm. Lloyd goes done. back to his lair in a castle in Croatia to torture Billy Bob Thornton. It's just pulling his fingernails out, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of gross. Yeah. Alfre Woodard uh, decrypts the thumb drive and reveals evidence that Denny is a bad guy. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> it's like, it's so fucking lame that they're like, <laughs> I'm assuming, like, I figured they all assumed he was a bad guy. Well, also, I don't know, like, that, that, that Alfre Woodard is like, this has all this, ev- first, all this thumb drive is a collection of video and other evidence showing them 
killing people, causing explosions, and it's like, well, that's what the hero of the movie does. So you got to yeah. tell me why this is why it's bad when Denny does it, but it's totally cool when Ryan Gosling does it. Like I don't, I didn't understand the difference. They're like, this is this is without authorization. It's like, well, even the stuff they're doing with authorization is pretty bad. It's like, all bad. Yeah. It's all terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess. I guess the idea is that this is like shadow government stuff. I think they even say that at one point. Yeah, like, that's what that, Ryan Gosling does. It's someone, not like it's not like America yes. voted. It's not like the Senate voted to pass a bill saying no, no, CR6 I, should go kill a guy, you know. <laughs> I I know, but but what look, I'm not I'm not arguing in, in favor of Ryan Gosling as a gray man who like goes around shooting people. Uh, <laughs> Dan's like, like where's without- the candidate that supports my pro gray man position? But but I do think that the idea is supposed to be that at least those unsanctioned operations are like sanctioned, like the 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 goals of them are at least sanctioned by the official government. Whereas this is this other stuff is like some cell within the government. Yeah, that is in theory, Ryan Gosling I guess was taking out like drug dealers and arms dealers and terrorists, and Denny is taking out yeah. like <clears throat> maybe his landlady. Maybe like yeah he the, the, he signed up to be a fucking Dexter you know a killer that kills other killers he's you know, not down with yeah. being just a regular killer who kills normal non killers the I mean, I guess- uh, but it is one of those things where I'm like this this is information that the the audience already assumes that this guy is bad he's been a creep yes. the whole time and also mm-hmm. he's like hiring all kinds of assassins at this point you're like. I, I wish there was a little bit more of a reveal where it's like, oh, this drive reveals that Denny Carmichael is actually drawing the earth or drawing the moon down to the earth to destroy the planet. <laughs> yeah, or, like, or, 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 or the, like, Denny Carmichael has a has a secret double life as Osama bin Laden, like something something yeah. that means something as opposed to just like I mean, but the movie doesn't really I guess that's what it comes down to for me is like all these movies are just excuses for people to shoot things and blow them up. Yes. But here the excuse is so weak. That it made me – it feels like explosion porn and shooting porn after a certain point. And the idea that – well, of course, Ryan Gosling has to murder dozens and dozens of people in order to save this one girl. Like, or mm-hmm. that uh, we can watch a, a shootout, as we're going to get to soon, between an army of mercenaries and and Prague police officers who are legitimately yep. trying to stop a gun battle in the middle of the in the middle of Prague. And it's, and the, it's just like – that the movie just wants you to kind of uh, – the movie is not – rough enough for this to be like heat where we're supposed to question the thin yeah. line between villain and hero and it's not fun enough for it to be uh heat. the, the Anna de Armas it's to be, to be heat yeah it's but it's not fun enough for it to be like um you know a James Bond movie where you're like well this is a cartoon world I'm not supposed to take this seriously you know yeah it's uh it's just a, it's are we at Sorry, I was. Are we at that shootout now? Just We're about. just about to. So uh, okay. they can't. They learn that they can't copy the drive. So six now has to wear it on a little medallion around his neck. Um, and, and it looks a lot they, like the medallion that the bad guys all want in Minions: The Rise of Gru, which I oh, my family and I went to. Oh, that's good information, actually. So, so I, the first time the medallion <laughs> showed up, I was like, "Wait a minute, is this a crossover with Minions: Rise of yeah. Gru?" Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's later on. There's a. There's a joke where Chris Evans refers to uh he refers to Ryan Gosling's character as like looking like Ken which mm-hmm. is wild because the whole time Ryan Gosling was doing press for this movie he had that like platinum blonde Ken hair from the Barbie movie they're from making playing Ken like, yeah 
Man, what an, what, a, what an awesome choice. Um, yeah. Okay. I will uh, also mention, wait, just to, and one more thing about Minions Rise of Guru is that, uh, so oh, sure. the first, yeah. time, first time my younger son ever went to a movie in the movie theater, it's the movie he wanted to see, mm-hmm. and my He's wife has not been forever. in a movie theater, I think in three years because of COVID, and she kept saying, I haven't been to the movies in three years, and I'm seeing Minions Rise of Gru. This is the movie I've been waiting three years to go to the theaters for, mm-hmm. and I thought that was, I, I just thought I found it very funny each time that, the, that she was so disappointed <laughs> in that. I mean... Yeah, but she could also, you know, you guys could go see a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. me, it's more. Maybe your wife's trying to tell you to to get some babysitters and go out to see yeah, a Dan, movie. We, Dan, we don't all have, we don't have a whole Alamo club of babysitters. Se- we don't have all have Alamo season passes and a complete disregard for mortality. We can't all we can't all just go see. True. A movie. No, I'm saying go see a good movie. What are you? <laughs> yeah, actually, like, I think that's a pretty good defense, dude. Movie, You're like, oh, uh, not all of us can one. spend our afternoon watching a piece of shit like Minions Rise of Gru. Yeah, when you That's true um no you you leave you make the kids go see the movie by themselves then you go across the way you go mm-hmm. see bodies 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 or some shit i don't know whatever you want to watch i don't care uh, <laughs> also that's the difference between uh danielle and me because like if i had not seen a movie for three one. years i don't care <laughs> if it's same. minions rise of Gru. i'd be like this is amazing i love now <laughs> minions rise of Gru. i love <laughs> it's it. my favorite yeah, movie yeah. Ever. like just yeah. the pleasure of being there i would have been like yeah 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 Minions, minions, do your thing, whatever it is. <laughs> See Show you your banana butts. I, I mean, yeah. Make noises. Their thing, their thing is showing their butts and making my children <laughs> scream nonsense words for hours afterwards. Love it. Yeah. This is my kid. This, although I've gotten back at my kids, they always go. So they think the minions sound like this: kuda, 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 kuda. That's what they say to be minions. And I go, "Are you calling for kuda, kuda? My favorite aria from Eugene Onegin, Lenski's aria before the big duel scene." And they go, uh-huh. "No, no." And I play that beautiful aria, kuda, kuda, and they get so mad at me. So anyway, that's, <laughs> so I'm, I'm fighting back against minions with with Russian opera right now. So we'll mm-hmm. see who wins. You're a real gentle minion. So yeah. uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Alfre Woodard's apartment gets attacked by goons. Six and Anna de Armas briefly escape. Alfre Woodard blows herself up in one of multiple, uh, <laughs> multiple like last moment sacrifices to kill goons. Uh, to save six and, of all people. Yeah, she's saving six. Who's uh, an assassin? Um, six <laughs> gets picked up by Czech uh, police uh, pretty quickly, uh, and he gets handcuffed to a bench. Um, and then the hit squad arrives and starts blasting everyone. And this is our this is one of our big big action sequences. This scene this is, is the huge. marquee action. Scene. This is a huge yeah. action scene. It's enormous. Yeah. Uh, it's, and I gotta say, guys, I liked this action scene. Okay. Like I I know like it is the you know I know that Elliot has moral issues with it. And, and I wish I, I didn't. I wish I could just sit back and be like, look at it, stuff blowing up. But I I did end up having moral issues with just how huge this action scene is and that it's happening in the middle of a city and for, and that well, that's, it, they are continuing the James Bond tradition of other cities and other countries exist so that Americans and British people can go shoot the shit out of them and blow people up and things like that. Sure, fine. Uh, great. And, but, and, but also but the fact also, that they're fighting over nothing. They're fighting over the evidence that Denny is a creep, which we already knew. It's not like they're fighting I, over nuclear codes. We're or only something confirming like that. with this fight sequence. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, like the whole it's not point like Blofeld the, has the a laser scene, though, satellite like, that's that's a danger to the earth. You know, it's just to catch Denny. They do well, that's that's the ridiculousness of it though. Like they do like they send in a bunch of cops and uh like uh Chris Evans team of mercenaries is like just using sledgehammer tactics, just shooting up everyone. And like, this is the point at which the, uh, the, the woman with Chris Evans, who you mentioned before, like, uh, uh like voices what I had been thinking 
<laughs> much earlier in the movie, like, what kind of covert operate operative is Chris Evans? Like, none of his operations are co- covert. And now it's like going crazy. And like she's like yelling. She's like, You're just shooting cops now. And yeah. uh it's it's a nutty scene, and I enjoy Ryan Gosling just like being behind this uh bench, this uh, uh concrete bench handcuffed to it, trying desperately to get the gun That's next under to the him. Bench. I mean, it's a great it's a that great the gun setup. is out of bullets and he has to reload, he has to yeah. get I, I feel more like bullets. It's, it's a fantastic setup. And I wish this it uh, there's a certain point at the scene where Ryan Gosling becomes almost an extra in the action scene. And I wish like yeah. I wish it was more focused on him. Because while watching it, I was like, this is a great setup. He's handcuffed to a bench. These hitmen just keep going after him. For some reason, they don't decide to come behind him. Uh, they they only come from one direction, like ninjas in a in an eighties movie. Well, I think mm-hmm. the cops are on the other side. I mean, that's the thing. Like he is accidentally sort of protected in this. I guess that's thing. true. Well, there's a gunfight all but around. The, him. the idea that he has to fight when he is so incredibly vulnerable is such a great setup. But the scene is so big that he gets lost in it, and it's so chaotic. And there's so many cops getting shot, and cop cars getting getting flipped over, and. At a certain point, and there's no, you don't see any civilians getting shot, which is good, but it also, it like, this, the place is so empty of civilians that it starts feeling like a, like a hermetically sealed bubble. This world that only exists for action movies take place. I don't know. It's like I'm torn between wanting to see a big, like, crazy cartoonish action sequence, but also wanting to see it happen in some kind of world where I believe that people exist. You know, but it is a great okay. setup. There's a there's a lot of great setups for action scenes in this. And one thing that is realistic in this movie is that uh, Jessica Henwick and Chris Evans and and uh, Denny Carmichael nonstop keep reminding the audience that their characters went to Harvard, which is accurate to people who went to Harvard. They do not stop talking about it. And so we learn so much that more about it for you. I feel like we don't learn that much about Ryan Gosling, but we find out that the villains went to Harvard over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they went to school in Boston, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just a just a, just an unnamed school. Uh, no, they say Harvard a, a bunch of times. <laughs> six at one point <laughs> no, escapes onto a tram. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, you're saying like Harvard students when they're when they're like, "Well, I went. Yeah, I was in. I was at. I went to college in Boston." You understand what I'm putting uh, down? He's he's on a tram. <laughs> There's like goon vehicles chasing him and shooting all kinds of different guns. Anna Armas shows up in a in a little sports car that's bulletproof and is like helping out and saves his bacon yet again. Uh, as you mentioned, there's some cute moments. Uh, this this action sequence is at least more legible than the plane fight. Um, yeah. I also like the bit where he's using the reflection in the glass to like guess where the goon is on, in the tram underneath him to shoot. Yeah, there's that a lot of clever cool. stuff in it. Yeah. I feel like Gosling does a pretty good job with the like physical performing. Like he, do, he had like his... He has some good face, facial expressions, especially when he realizes that he used his two bullets to shoot somebody and not shoot the handcuffs off himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I will say that this this sequence does end in a in a moment that I'm like, what is this supposed to be? Where he like he jumps off the tram, like Ana de Armas reverses the car level with him so he can jump off the tram onto the car, and I'm like, how is that? better (laughs) like it is it's still a hard moving target like i guess theoretically it's a little less of a drop because it's closer to him 
and the crunchable metal is softer than the ground, but I don't think that like it's like, oh good, thank you for it's not like you're like driving thank you for driving this pile of mattresses beneath <laughs> yeah. me. He just he still has to leap off onto a car. <laughs> maybe maybe he draws energy off of the car like uh they do in the Fast and the Furious movies where it's like as yeah. long as you're landing on a car, you're probably gonna be okay. <laughs> That's yeah, you're probably safe. I I can't wait for the, the uh, what I hope is the next and final movie where it's revealed they live in a magic universe where cars are magic and they're like in the beginning god created the car the perfect object <laughs> and all the universe came from this car and they just show planets and and galaxies coming out of the nitrous oh, boost exhaust it. pipe I love it. oh and then, and then it reveals that that uh that, that vin diesel and the others are part of like um are part of like a uh, like a pantheon of of they they're all reincarnate reincarnations of ancient you know egyptian gods who drove cars yes. around and oh, things like that i love this oh so Prague is now in flames. And it's, oh, and it's uh, called Fast Destiny. It's called Fast Destiny. Okay, That's what's perfect. called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Prague is now in flames. Uh, Six and <laughs> Ana de Armas uh, infiltrate a hospital in order to track Chloe's pacemaker. And then they get attacked by a knife guy assassin who has a very nice suit. Um, not nice guy. No, not knife. a nice guy. Knife He's guy. a knife yeah. guy. You know, you know the deal. Like he pulls out, like he immediately whips out his little switchblade thing. Yeah, it's and it's like butterfly yeah. knife or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Ryan Gosling is one of the nice guys, but he's not playing a very nice guy in this movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice guy. He's not playing no. that nice guy in the nice guys, to be honest. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's only, wait. So is the title a joke? No, no. It, 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 it accidentally, the movie, the, the title was switched with that of another movie by accident. It was too late to stop it. Mm-hmm. There's another movie called The Bad Guys, which is out now, which is a children's mm. movie. Should have been called The Nice Guys because it's for kids. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. yeah, it should have been. Not the wrong guy. <laughs> That's got Dave Foley in it. <laughs> no. And well, a lot of good jokes. And not Mr. Wrong, which has Bill Pullman, Ellen DeGeneres, and a lot of bad jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I hope this has been helpful. <laughs> yeah. So, if any other uh, questions, just write to what are we talking about again? Care of the Flophouse. <laughs> so the the knife guy assassin, uh, who is known as Lone Wolf, because uh, mm-hmm. he operates alone, uh, he manages to steal the medallion drive and he runs off with it. Uh, so he runs back to the castle in Prague, or not in Prague, in Croatia. Uh, Anna de Armas and uh, Six have to infiltrate the castle by stealing guard uniforms. Uh, Six rescues Fitz and Chloe, while Anna de Armas, as we mentioned before, runs around like Bugs Bunny, blowing up everything with a missile and launcher. The way she runs is hilarious. She's got like a ninja mask on her face, but like a sleeveless shirt. Yep. And she's got just missiles strapped to her back, you know, rockets strapped to her back. And it looks like, I mean, it, it, it hints at a much like kind of sillier, like looser movie that would that would have been yeah. super fun. Where she's where she because it looks like it looks ridiculous, but in a fun way. It's such know. a huge launcher. Yes, like, it is big. It's huge, and she is running around like a like in not in a cool way. She's not running around in a like. She knows where everything is at all times, and she's like got controlled movements. Like she looks like someone who is who is hauling ass, desperately trying to get this done before someone shoots her. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. this is this is a, just a hint of the movie that that I kind of wish this one was. Uh, she eventually uh, ends up getting in a battle with uh, Lone Wolf in the ruins of the command center, uh, and they're fighting over the drive. But Lone Wolf gives it up. Uh, and what was going fits. on in that scene? Was it what that he saw he was fighting her that he stopped? Like he abruptly just stopped. I, I don't know. He saw that he was fighting her, but earlier also like 
it, it, there was a moment where he's like, you're going to kill a child. And like, Chris Evans is like, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> and like, it's cl- like, it's clear that like this guy is supposed to be like, he has his He's got his own code. But uh, it's like. And he realized that. But like he almost, yeah. he, the two of them almost strangle each other. And then it's like, oh, I didn't, because their backs, and this is another cool kind of setup where they're fighting back, their backs are each to a, like a couch or something that's in between them. And they've got like, yeah, a, like a table, a, like a wire or rope that they've wrapped around each other's necks. And so they can't, if one of them moves, it strangles both of them. And like, it's a neat setup, but then it's like, oh, I didn't realize I was fighting you. We're cool. Forget mm-hmm. it. He goes, these, these people have no honor. And it's like, did you watch the rest of the movie? Like. Yeah. yeah, of course they don't. They blew up all those buildings in Prague. Like, what are you talking? Like, this is yeah. new to you. I don't. Yeah. Did, did you realize Danny is a bad guy? <laughs> and he's like, meanwhile, no, Danny. He hasn't. He has, yeah, he hasn't checked out the. He hasn't checked out the drive yet. Uh, meanwhile, on the battlements of the castle, Six and Fitz and Chloe are running away from some goons. But Fitz gets shot. He's like, I can't go on. I'm bleeding. Uh, give me a grenade. And so they give him a grenade, and he has his heroic. Uh, he has his heroic final moment, uh, blowing up a grenade, killing two goons and briefly inconveniencing Chris Evans. Chris Evans um, is, he has the amazing luck because he's the main bad guy. Explosions don't, he's always the first one to jump out of the way of an explosion. And like, there's a part earlier where Anand Armas saves Six by shooting a trank dart into Chris Evans' butt. And I, the whole movie, I'm like, why didn't they just shoot him in the head? Like, I don't understand why they, that guy's clearly like, a top bad guy. Well, I mean, well, I show that she has like she has her own line, Elliot. She has her own code too. I no, guess no. that's true. Well, uh, that that doesn't. I mean, at that point, she is. She's just been told to like stand down, but she is theoretically on the same side as Chris Evans. So she's like gung rogue. Like she's like, I got to figure out what's going on. Like it makes sense that she would trank him and then like talk to Six. I guess so. At that yeah, point she, in the movie, they're not Elliot. Just to be clear, you know, they're not playing the same characters from Knives Out, right? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's what it was. I thought they were still in the Knives out of Yeah, yeah. And of so course, she should know he's trouble. He tried to get her yeah. to arrested, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> Spoiler she, she also hasn't read the, that character hasn't read the script to the movie. So Everyone else in the movie seems wow. to have, though, because at a certain point I was like, why do these characters care about what's happening to each other at a certain point? Like, it becomes very personal between Six and Lloyd at a certain point yeah. when the drive is no longer really an issue, when they don't really... Yeah. They don't really – at a certain point, it was like, I don't know why these guys are still fighting other than just alpha male toxicity. Well, they're mad at each other for trying to kill each other. But that <laughs> was all know. business. Like, I don't – like, it's – at a certain point, if you're going to get mad at everyone who tries to kill you in the gray man assassin business, then how do you, gonna, yeah, how you gonna gonna finish your going. day? Like, you're not going to be able to – like, you can't just walk away from – I the thing that – I'll tell you something, though. Going back to Chris Evans and the explosion, I'll tell you something <laughs> that would have made the end of this movie 100% better if half of his mustache had been burned off by oh, the explosion. yes, you're exactly right. Does the rest yes. of the movie with half a mustache. But I do like that by the end, they are really calling attention to his fancy slip-on shoes very heavily. Mm. And I and I noticed them at every shot after that. And his, what are they, capri pants? Yep. So yeah. uh, so at this point, uh, the gray man and Chloe are escaping through the, from the, mo- uh, using the moat because uh, they're in a castle. And uh, Chris Evans goes chasing <laughs> after them, and this is where we get we get a big twist, like just like uh, how a movie of this caliber has a huge twist ending. This podcast has a little bit of a twist ending because you know what, guys, I did not watch the rest of the movie from here because I thought we were recording an hour later. So what the fuck happens in the end of the Gray Man? Will you please tell me? I am I'll, dying here. Uh, okay, t- tag me in, Coach. <laughs> I'll, I'll get this one. You you rest, and I'll take on uh, the Bash <laughs> Brothers here. Okay, thank you. Uh, 
so they're they're trying to escape in the in the moat. Uh, I didn't take notes because I thought you were taking notes. The important thing is to I, to, I, to be clear, I was taking notes. Yeah. The important the, thing. The important thing is that uh, Lloyd catches up with six. They catch up to each other. They go into a hedge uh, and. Lloyd catches up with them. He captures Claire and puts a flare gun to her head, and uh, and and puts brings her to a hedge maze, which leads to like a little fountain. And at the fountain, Hanson says, "I'll let Claire go if you fight me, Six. And so Six tell and Anna Armas is like, "I've got the shot." And he goes, "No, no, no. Go to the end of the hedge maze and meet the girl there. I'll take this guy on." And so they have a one-on-one. This makes no sense. This is fight. what I wanted to talk about because yeah. it's like, or hear me out. Shoot Chris Evans and then go get the well, girl. I wonder, but here's like, the thing. doesn't take the that long. Well, but I There's wonder. No reason. Here's, I, I'll, here's where I'll defend this movie because you're right. That's exactly what they should have done. Two things. One, at this point, I like you guys are saying it's just personal. He's been trying to kill him. He doesn't like Chris Evans. He's going to go after him. Two, early in the movie, he wouldn't take the shot because there was a kid possibly in the way. I don't think he trusts Anna Armas to shoot Chris Evans without hitting the girl. I think he just at that okay. point he's like if she's in the way I don't I'm not going to let then, it, I'm not but then but at one point it. he Chris Evans does as we've said let the girl go yes <laughs> so and then she should Chris still Evans just shoot then. oh by then Anna Armas is like ugh, to get to the hedge maze I better leave now uh, or else she's yeah. going to be waiting for uh, me. I'm all tuckered out the bathroom before I go yeah, there's going to be a lot of goon on. traffic in the hallways of this castle yeah. so I got to get there and so. Yeah. It's too bad you missed this fight. Chris Evans and and uh, Ryan Gosling have one of those fights where it's not clear why one of them gets the upper hand at different points. They just kind of take turns having the upper hand. And then yeah. this is where his abused child training comes in, where Chris Evans has Ryan Gosling's face in the water of the fountain, and he flashes back to his own father pushing God his face into water, telling him, okay. I, will just, I will end you, and the kind of stuff that nobody says in real life, but they say in the movies. And... And so that imbues Ryan Gosling with the uh, berserker faith and rage and the nobility that he needs to get back. And he's fighting, uh, he's strangling uh, uh, Chris Evans. And then, boom, someone shoots Chris Evans in the gut. Who is it? Why, it's Jessica Henwick. She has decided that she is going to pin everything on Lloyd and Six can live as long as he goes along with her story that there is a rogue Chris Evans who did all this damage and it's not her fault or Denny's fault. And uh, mm-hmm. Jake Go- and Ryan Gosling is like, I've got to call him Jake Gosling for some reason. Ryan Gosling is like, yeah, okay, I'll do that as long as the girl is safe. So, movie over, right? No, wrong Stuart. Well, no, and he also says... Uh, I'm also losing a lot of blood, so if we're gonna do this, do it fast. Yeah. Like, if this so is the plan, get he, me he to does, He does have a line of like, she goes, she goes, she goes, are you com-, like, she goes, are you complying? And he goes, uh, can I comply over there? And, and then moves to a more comfortable place to sit. It's great. Now I got a question. This uh, might ruffle some feathers. The movie's not over just, yet, but ask I'm, your question. I'm, the movie's not over yet. Yeah. But like, devil's There's advocate. There's like 15 Elliot, minutes left in the movie. But yeah. Devil's advocate, Elliot. You are a father. Uh, did this movie make you feel like? Maybe if I want my children to succeed in life, I should abuse them. No, it. I, you know what? I'm going to be honest and say it didn't. <laughs> that uh, yeah. I, I've never had dreams of my children being super tough, cool assassins with no emotional lives and no personal lives. I've always wanted them to. Right now, my older son wants to be a Dodgers baseball player slash engineer. And one of those uh-huh. more likely than the other, but I won't say which one. And my younger son wants to be a scientist who becomes a chocolate maker, who becomes a paleontologist who is sometimes a ninja. And I think mm. the ninja I have a little <sighs> bit of issues with, but uh, but otherwise these are life goals I'm very because happy of the, for them to pursue. Because of the lack of the lack of honor, right? <laughs> 
Well, I, I mean, well, that's a very samurai way of looking at things, Stuart. It's a classist way of looking. You could say that the ninja are just those that have been deemed less less important than the samurai trying to defend their own uh, in the only way they can by striking in the shadows. But, you know, that's if you want to be a, if you want to be a Bushido <laughs> apologist. tool. <laughs> But, um, so should we finish that? But no, it did not. It did wait. not. It did not in any way make me feel like I should. I should be a terrible person to my children to motivate them. This is a small thing, but I do want to call out a moment I liked, which is they have this like last fight in the uh, uh, fountain in the middle of the hedge maze, yeah. and you know, like Chris Evans at this point it has like a couple fingers missing, and like there's like open wounds, and they get like he stabs Ryan like, Gosling so many the, times, it's crazy. Yeah, and they he goes into the water. Chris Evans like clearly is like. <laughs> he like gets this like fountain water on his yeah. wound, and so I, he goes, ah! I loved it because I'm like, that's what I think every time, like there's dirty water on an open <laughs> wound in a movie. Yeah, I will say this: this is like, if there was, this is not. This, I mean, there, the fight scenes in this movie are great. The choreographed great. Like the, the, the everyone's doing a great job in them. Like I wish it was shot a little bit more cleanly. But otherwise, I just it's one of these scenes where I'm like. I'm not quite sure why they're fighting other than to show who's got the biggest dick in this moment. And that is not a reason that I'm that really is going to get me emotionally invested into the, in this fight. You know, at the, at a certain point I'm watching it just for the just to watch the, the choreography, I guess, like an ice skating routine. Yeah. But uh there is a, but Chris Evans does give little moments of like character to it that are basically he gets he's playing a petulant asshole, so like it's easy for him to add those moments of character where he's just kind yeah. of a dick or he reacts badly to things. Anyway, so um the uh, there's also a part where uh, Ryan Gosling slams Chris Evans' head into like a into a sculpted vase and it shatters. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this fountain made of that his head just shattered it? <laughs> like it should be made out of concrete. Like this is crazy. He should be dead yeah. if he hit it that hard. But anyway, <laughs> it's a movie. So uh, they so now uh, Suzanne Brewer, Jessica Henwick's character, she has taken now she's taken Claire the girl hostage, and basically said, I'll watch her and make sure nothing happens to her, but you have to do what I say, Six. And uh, someone meets with Denny and Anna de Armas and Jessica Henwick and basically says, I don't like what happened, but I absolve you of all charges. And I assumed this was the old man, but maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's an it, maybe it's the inspector general. I don't know. He's not named. Um, and now, and Jessica Henwick says to Denny, now Six will do whatever I tell him because I've got this girl and the, and she she's the new Denny now. But at the house where uh, Claire is being held by these gunmen who do make her lunch, they don't they didn't hire someone else to come make her lunch. The gunmen do it for her. Uh, she comes back to her room and the record that she played two years ago when Ryan Gosling killed those men in her house to protect her. It's sitting up on her record player with a note that says, play me loud. And she starts playing it loud. That's the cue for Ryan Gosling, who has escaped from the hospital bed that he was imprisoned in. In one of those escapes where they don't show it, they just show that there's dead or knocked out soldiers lying in hallways, and his and he hit the the buckle he was handcuffed to is unbuckled because uh, I guess they, their choreography budget was out. Uh, Ryan Gosling goes to the home and kills all the gunmen there and <laughs> takes her away in a jeep, and that's the end of the movie. The end. That's the end. Although I, this is a this is a part of the movie. By, by the way, like most of the movie, I was actually able to do what I was. Not able to do, which is like turn off my moral compass. I wish I could do it. I wish film, I could do it, Dan, but I'm just not as sociopathic as you. 
at the end of the film when she puts this record on to cover up the noises of these people getting shot, like the camera like actually like shows her sort of pained face as she has like her hands over her ears to not hear it. And I'm and I was thinking like, oh, what a like a horrible thing for this young girl to be involved in this trauma of like over and over again. My my protector, my assassin protector, told me to put this record on so I could ignore the screams of the men he's killing to rescue me. Like men potentially that, that with families, kind of, and and who just when made she, her lunch. Yes, and well, well that's mm-hmm. the other thing. She's and the, the body count is enormous in this movie. And there's certain points where it's like these are some of them, I guess, are assassins, the worst of the worst. They're mercenaries. You know, they're they're just evil people. But a lot of them are also like soldiers or. Guys who were hired to be bodyguards or something, but anyway, yeah. the uh, unlike the noble assassins who save girls, <laughs> yes. Well, and even well, it's like so. And and when he saves her from the castle, he keeps saying, "Cover your ears, cover your ears," because she's tra- she's genuinely being traumatized by all this violence going on around her. And it's like the movie doesn't have it's the movie. It's like um, I wonder if the movie believed in itself a little bit more, like The Professional, which is objectively a not a, like has a lot of not okay things going on in it that uh yeah th- that the fact that it was made by a, a creep who i think genuinely believed that in the nobility of the main character like kind of gives that movie a certain weird energy uh where you're like well i don't agree with it but at least i know the guy making it really does believe that you can you can be a weird uh you can be a weird outcast hitman who falls in love with a teenage girl like i don't think it's okay but at least the guy making it whereas this it's like a it doesn't have that weirdness. So when the – I can't just be like, well, the person making this was a strange person. Instead, I have to be like, oh, regular people made this movie where this girl is repeatedly having to go through her life being put in danger and violence being going on all around her and with only the thinnest shred of the song Silver Bird as a, as a force field to protect her from. Yeah. You know? before, I mean before we get into final judgments, you mentioned the guy making this movie isn't a weirdo. So the movie was made by the Russo brothers the, who yeah. – uh, struck gold with the various Marvel franchises, but seemed to have uh, the various Marvel movies they made, but seemed to have trouble uh, operating outside of that. Uh, do you think people are just sick of them or like want to take them down a peg? Or do you think that uh, they just don't operate as well when they aren't using characters that are already beloved to the audience? Well, I mean, specifically with this movie, you know, when they were promoting it, they said a lot of stuff that people online got annoyed at where they're like what did they say because i'm not familiar with that at all they were like saying like oh there's nothing like that's sanctified about the the theatrical experience and and you know like honestly it's a little elitist to be like you got to see that movies in the theater and blah blah blah, which is look if it was a genuinely held belief that's fine it's one that i don't agree with but um but it's clear that it's just like they're doing this because they're promoting their big Netflix movie and they're huge beneficiaries of the theatrical experience with uh, Infinity War and Endgame and, you know, other of their films. And it's just like, I, I don't it know. It just I think, feels disingenuous, yeah. Yeah, and I think it like ticked movie people off a bit and because they have oh do movie people have opinions about stuff <laughs> <laughs> because they're part of the marvel machine which also people are like turning on a little bit i think that it was i think well, there's you gotta a lot turn of, on the marvel like, machine or else it's not gonna work uh-huh. yeah i, I, I don't sit there i i have enjoyed their work enough that i will ignore them saying some 
dumb things. I don't have particular ill will, but I I think that that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I I wonder. I mean, it's I've I've uh, I feel like I've I'm st- I'm always constantly working to perfect uh, separating the art from the artist. Uh, since there's so much art, I couldn't enjoy if I didn't do that. But I like their I enjoyed their Marvel stuff so much. But I wonder why it is that like. I don't know that their their non Marvel stuff hasn't quite hit the same thing, and I wonder if it's because they are they it helps for them to be working with characters that are already exist or had the bugs worked. Out. I mean, the Gray Man is based on a novel series, but I feel like they they don't really do the character building work that would make me care. And like their first Captain America movie, which was their first Marvel movie, was the second Captain America movie, right? Winter Soldier. So like they didn't really yes. have they didn't have to deal with building up who Captain America and Bucky are and their relationship. Yeah. They could just do the payoff of Bucky's still alive. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Winter Soldier yet. Uh, an, an eight-year-old movie that was enormous. And the character Robert is- Robert Redford's is in, the baddie? <laughs> and, 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 and also the character that is in other Marvel movies. They're like, wait, I, this is the one I skipped. Wait a minute, Bucky's in it? I know he's in the later movies, but- Yeah. Uh, but I wonder, I don't know enough about them as, as filmmakers to know why that is. But this one- uh, it's it's partly it's a movie that uh, should be kind of like a lean, fun action movie, and it's big. It's like a little too big yes. for its own good. Uh, it's a little too it's a little too heavy. Yeah, I've been reading. Uh, I just read another one of the um, one of the Parker novels. The what Richard Parker Stark. Lewis can't lose novels. Yeah, yep, Parker Lewis can't lose novels. Every <laughs> time I read one, I get another punch on my pizza card, and when I'm done, I get my personal pan <laughs> pizza. Uh, but like. In in that in in those books, we have a hero who is definitely not a hero. He's a bad guy. But part of the appeal of it is watching, is like the the procedural element of it, and like having to watch a character go through all the steps of what needs to be done to do his work. And it doesn't make any kind of moral justification as to what he's doing. And I feel like this movie is just like, yeah, he's an assassin, but like he's a good guy. Yeah. They, they got jokes sometimes, and I don't know. I think I would like it more if either it was I, I, bigger or smaller. I feel like, yeah, yeah, or darker or lighter. It's so in between. It's so gray. It is gray. It's like oh. so in between. And it's like the character, it, the idea that he is a ruthless killer, but he's also a pretty good guy. If he was just a ruthless killer, I think I'd like the movie more. It feels like it's almost pan. It's almost insulting to the audience a little bit to be like, but he's good around kids. So even though his job is murdering people, that's why he's different than the other guys whose job is murdering people. And, and one where I guess the bad guy is supposed to be so bad that you're on the side of the good guy, but the bad guy is so ludicrously in, like ex, it, it's one of the it's hard for me to believe in a, in a uh, I, unless you're in a stylized John Wick type world. It's hard for me to like buy into a world where these covert operatives are just blowing up buildings left and right without ever getting called on their shit, you know? Yeah, it's not but as stylish know. as a John Wick, which I think uh, hurts this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's and it very well, much let's... and it very much I think wants to be a, a John Wick type of thing, but uh, John Wick has that austerity that I think helps put across the ludicrousness of that of that movie, you know. Uh, I mean, it started out with austerity. Yes. It is it is extremely no, but that's, baroque. No, but that's now. The thing. it starts out with the, the first movie has that has that super austere way of doing it. The next movie yeah. is bonkers, and the third movie gets more bonkers. But this movie, yeah. it's like. They established the foundation, basically. The same way that the Fast and the Furious movies weren't always them surfing on cars and, and flying through the air and stuff like that. and, and Going into outer space, yeah. Going into outer space, yeah. yeah. That, it, 
Once upon a time, they were just Point Break. It's so yeah. funny. It's so funny that 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 when that first movie came out, I remember so well. People being like, "Oh, it's so refreshing to see just like a stripped down little action thriller without all the bells yeah. and whistles." And they became the most belliest, whistlest franchise. That there ever <laughs> I was. mean, they're gonna have to <laughs> Air go. Hordes. They're gonna have to drive so fast they go back in time and visit their younger selves and be like, "You guys gotta start learning all kinds of shit because you're gonna I've, be flying. <laughs> you're gonna be doing." Something. <laughs> I feel like at this point, the, those movies can do, and it, you could. Zoom into Vin Diesel's blood and reveal that his blood cells are tiny cars that are driving tiny around. Cars, yeah. or zoom out and reveal that this was all happening inside of Vin Diesel's body. Like you know, they could do anything at this point. It's it. amazing. Yeah, I love but it. But they built to it. They well, built to it. They and it works. There. It all works. Yeah, we're, we're we've kind of been we've, we've kind of been soaking in it already. But we got to do our final judgments whether it's a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie we kind of like. I think I'm the outlier here. And that I have to say, I I actually kind of like this. Mm-hmm. I think it's too long. It's it's two and a half hours long. Fifteen minutes of that is credits, but still, even at that, it's it's too it's long. Very long. But yeah. but uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just on the sliding scale of kind of mediocre action movies that we've done on the podcast. I think it's near the top for me. It's certainly near the top of Netflix would be blockbusters for me, just because it is. It has a talented uh, group of actors and directors doing a basically generic film. This is a mild challenge, but Dan, can you name one other Netflix would-be blockbuster? Oh, sure. There's The Adam Project. Okay. There's Bright. That we, there's, that we haven't what? covered on the podcast. Anola <laughs> uh, Holmes, I guess, kind of is what's that. The, what's, oh, okay. liked. what's the one with Charlize Theron where they're like immortal assassins? Old Guard. Oh, that six, one rules. Uh, yeah, Old, Old Guard. Old Guard. That's right. I was thinking. That's the best Old one. Guard's probably the best one of those. Yeah. Best one of the dumb action movies. I, feel, I think. Six Underground is another one that we didn't do, but that's. Uh, oh, right. For me, this is a bad, bad movie on paper. Like, it's got a great cast. They're, the set piece ideas are really good, like, but it was, this is the first time I felt recently, like, where I was watching a movie where it felt, there's a story that Steven Soderbergh tells about being on an airplane flight and the guy sitting next to him watching action movies and just fast-forwarding to the action scenes and only watching the action scenes and skipping all the talking scenes. And there were times when I kind of felt like that was the experience I was having, and at that point, it becomes pornography more than a story, like, and it, and so for me, watching it, it was like, the, the script is the, – or the story is so generic. The characters are so generic, and there's so little in between the action scenes that it felt to a certain point like, um, you know, like I was filling up on candy. You know, I don't want that much can- – like I like a little bit of candy. I don't need to eat seven bags of candy. And so at, at a certain point, it made – you know, makes my tummy hurt. So that's kind of what the experience was like for me. But the elements are all there. I just wish that they had like – if they had cut out one big action sequence and filled that space with – the character's doing something that that gave me a reason to to care about what they were doing. That's all. That's I think that would have fixed a lot for me in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I I mean, I guess this kind of fits in a gray a gray area uh. between a movie I kind of liked and a bad bad movie because it's not like, with the exception of a few like moments in some of the action sequences, there's nothing particularly that felt new or original just all felt like reshuffled uh you know stuff from various action movie playbooks um and it doesn't didn't do the legwork to make me care about anything yes uh so and i mean obviously i like 
basically every member of the cast is gr- is great in other things, and they're not necessarily bad in here. They just don't have anything to work with. Uh, so it feels like yeah, it I mean, feels like a, oh sorry, I was, just to build on that, it feels like a crime to me the way they used Alfrey Woodard in this, where she's so amazing, yeah. and they stuck her in the black woman who's in charge of a covered ops thing role, but she's play, she's also playing the retired the t- retired former head who is now dying of cancer. She gets a and noble so, sacrifice though, Elliot. And it gives just her- Just like Billy Bob Thornton gets later on. Yeah. Which is it gives her, a pretty lame noble- They both had lame noble sacrifice. Like they very didn't even lame. kill like a named bad guy. Well, also that Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> instead of just killing the bad guys, has to get in a little wisecrack dig at at uh, Chris Evans, which gives Chris Evans enough time to recognize there's a grenade there and get out of the way. And it's like, what kind of spy are you? Just do, what kind of hitman? But that Alfre Woodard is given, it's emblematic of like, there's a lot of really great actors in this who are not given very much yep. to do. And Chris Evans is given so much scenery to chew in a fun way, but it's like, Chris, like quit hogging the scenery. Like let somebody else chew that scenery, you know? Like give someone else a thing to do. Not that he's in charge of the movie. Or anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can put that on Chris. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, a spectrum of reactions. What's, what's weird, this was. I feel like this was a. There's a spectrum for me. Uh, like the way we talked when we talked about Firestarter, and we were like, this movie looks like cheap, and it and it's very thin. This movie looked very expensive. It was still very thin, and it was it kind of like a. But it was they both kind of felt like direct direct to video type stuff. You know. Fair. <laughs> It could happen to you. You're all grown up now, a professional adult with diverse interests and hobbies. And one of those hobbies is video games. You just can't help it. They're so good now. If that's you, we're here to tell you, you are completely normal. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And together we form Triple Click, a podcast about video games. If you think you might be a person who likes video games, we hope you'll give Triple Click a listen. Triple Click, new episodes every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? (laughs) In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who? Let us uh, take a moment to talk about our sponsors. The Flop House. Brought to you is, by the Russo uh, Brothers. Uh, I oh mean, no. uh, the great one is great. Um, uh. The Flop House is mostly made possible by listeners like you who are members of Maximum Fun. If you're interested in the network, go to maximumfun.org, check out the other great shows. But also, we have a couple of sponsors. Uh, this week we are sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, and even your time. You can sell your time on Squarespace. Just like in the movie I have In a Time. a few extra minutes just lying around. <laughs> Maybe I can get some bucks for these guys. Yeah, use, get, get uh, some bucks. <laughs> 
stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Correct, collect, don't correct them. They won't like that. But collect them, collect email subscribers and convert them into loyal customers. I think they will like being corrected. (laughs) Everybody wants to be right, right? So let's make them right by correcting them. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are more effective. Sell your products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So why not go to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code FLOP, F-L-O-P, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Elliot is trying to listen to something. I can see. Sorry, I heard a child crying, and I was just want to make sure that they're, see if they're okay still. No, You're care. like, is it, is it, thank God, it's someone else's child crying. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> because that, cre- I don't that, need to that leaves, upon that a, leaves more happiness for my children. There's a limited yeah, supply yeah. of happiness. <laughs> yep. Every child yeah. that cries means more happiness for my kids. Hey everybody, Stuart. What's what's that? We got a Jojo jo- Jumbotron. <laughs> Do you enjoy media? Do you sure. enjoy a media that has a subversive sense of humor? Do you love things that are so bad they're good? Don't understand what RuPaul means when she says a queen's look is camp? Then check out Is It Camp? A podcast all about the queer subgenre of camp. Hosts Sam and Sarah, a drag pro wrestler and an enthusiastic nerd and both queer, discuss films, TV, music, books, and any media they think might be camp. Search Is It Camp or at Is It Camp Pod on all socials. Sam is at Reese Indigo, that's R-H-Y-S-I-N-D-I-G-O, and Sarah is at Sour Citrus Lady, that's S-O-U-R-C-I-T-R-U-S-L-A-D-Y. Bye! So search for Is It Camp on all your podcasters of choice and subscribe or follow on their socials at Is It Camp and follow the hosts at Reese Indigo and at Sour Citrus Lady. I did it, guys. That was a mouthful, yeah, but it was it fun. <laughs> you should feel very proud. Thank you. Uh, anyone have any other plugs before we move on to the next section? Sure, I'd love yeah. to plug uh, that uh, my, the second volume of the Maniac of New York series, Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning, is out in a collected trade in stores now. Go to your local comic book store, find it there. Maniac of New York, volume two, The Bronx is Burning, on shelves now. If you haven't read the first volume, Maniac of New York, The Death Train, Pick them both up. They're good. I like them. Patton Oswalt is always talking about how much he likes them. Stuart thinks they're great. Uh, the so thing is, I wrote them. The idea that the idea that my friend Elliot has made a very good uh, comic that is a twist on Friday the Thirteenth makes me slightly jealous. But it is good enough that I I get over my jealousy almost immediately. Oh, thank you, Stu. I appreciate that. Just clicking buy now and. Um, but he's not buying your book. He's he's buying some uh, socks, uh, <laughs> a hat. <laughs> I am buying your book, although uh, on on uh, a major uh, uh, commerce website that I won't cool. mention. Good because, cover. Uh, excellent, excellent. Uh, uh, there's no image available for the cover. Oh, if I click on it, I see it. Huh. 
Oh wow! Weird. Okay, this is all, this is all anyway, fascinating content. Some sliber, mm-hmm. sliber, sliber sleuthing. <laughs> some sliber sleuthing. Sliber sleuthing. Um, and you, while we're you plugging, drool all over your computer. Yeah. Yeah. While we're plugging shit, you know what? In addition to being a super fun, cool podcaster, I also own a couple of bars in Brooklyn. One is called Hinterlands mm. Bar. The other is called Minnie's Bar. You know what? If you're in Brooklyn and you need to wet your whistle, go to one of those bars. Hinterlands Bar, Minnie's Bar. Why not? If it's if it's Hinterlands, I might even be there. Dan might you even be know. there. Manny's is a little further away, but he still um, might be there. Still possibly. It's possible. Dan, help him out. Come happened. on. It has happened. Uh, let's move on to letters from listeners. Uh, listeners like you, you write them, we read them. This one is from <laughs> Timothy. That's Lesk the agreement, not the other way around. <laughs> We're not writing anything for you to read, except it, unless it's Maniac of New York. Yeah, yeah, I write that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this letter, uh, well, we've, we've all certainly had a wonderful time discussing slash debating the merits of Kansas's fifth largest city, Topeka, but the time to get serious has come upon us. It's time to discuss somewhere else, a place known for the world's smallest natural waterfall that claims the director of purple rain amongst its residents that boasts the writer of Captain America, symbol of truth, Tochi Onyebuchi amongst its former residents. The birthplace of the Eddie Current Game Call. What? The place where Amy Archer Gilligan, the inspiration for Arsenic and Old Lace, may have claimed her first victims. That's right. It's time to talk about Newington, Connecticut. Please feel free to commence. Warmest regards, Timothy Last Name Withheld. Well, it seems like you've covered all the bases. Yeah, I don't oh, know if there's anything man. more to so, say about it. I think <laughs> Elliot's sharpening his knives over there. He can't wait to <laughs> dig in. Mm-hmm. I'm sad. I'm I'm sad. I'm sorry if I mispronounced anything. I mean, you're I'm sad, sad too. about it too. Yeah. But I'm sad just in general. But I'm sorry about that. Um, Wait, so Newington, Newington, Connecticut. Yeah. Okay. New ing ton. That's a ton of newings. I feel like sounds like a made up. Yeah. Sounds like a made up town. But thanks for writing in. Uh, I'm sure we'll <laughs> uh, we're gonna do some research and roast the fuck out of it on our next mini. That's Dan's next mini called Newington. Where is that? Who cares? Uh, it'll come no, out. You on have a to do weeks. that as a mini now. Of course, the thing is, it, th- this writer didn't didn't give us their opinion of Newington, right? Like we're, we yeah, want people's the opinions. They don't want to poison the places. well. That's true. They don't want to. They don't want to pre pre discriminate the jury. Sure. You know? Prejudice it. You do bring up a good point that the construction of Newington sounds like someone is just sort of like, as they go along, be like, uh, it's Newington. <laughs> Connecticut. Many things going on. There. Is that what really? That's where you're from? Can you tell me the name of it again? Uh, yeah. Well, why don't you read it back to me and I'll, I'll tell you if it was right. <laughs> uh, this letter is from Stephen, last name withheld. Who Stephen writes, Hawking. Hi, yeah, Beaches. Somebody on the grave. I've been following some of Stewart's exercise journey via the clock app. <laughs> cool. Who hasn't? But I'm curious. It's, it's if you America's share a workout. journey. America's journey at this point. Yeah. Have we done this already? Share a workout routine. Have I? Has have you talked about this on the podcast? Uh, a workout routine he's found the most useful. I've went from high movement teaching job straight to a desk job and need desperately to kick off my own exercise journey. So any tips will help, would help. 
That's for, uh, that's for I don't know. Uh, I'm always happy to talk about working out because I don't do anything else because I'm pretty boring. Uh, but let's see. <laughs> uh, for me, the thing that kind of started my journey was throwing out my back at the start of the pandemic. So I uh, I started doing a lot of core strength. Uh, it was mainly lower back focus. So I did a lot of core strengthening stuff. And I do uh, so like leg lifts, reverse leg lifts, uh, some like uh, bridges, uh, bird dogs, dead bugs, just make all that kind of stuff. Now. Squats um, and uh, <laughs> supplementing that with uh, stretching for about at least thirty minutes every morning with a lot of like leg and back stuff. Um, mm. But then since then, I have uh, I started going to the gym when they reopened, and I have a trainer that I like a lot, and I'm doing a lot of strength training. So uh, I do a four day a week upper lower split. Two leg, two leg, lower body days, two upper body days, and those upper body days are a nice mix of push pull exercises. Um, and I like it so far. And I like, uh, I never, I never thought I would be, I would like weightlifting. I don't know why. I don't know why I never like. I think there is, there is a little bit of a, um, you know, like I didn't, I didn't know how to use the equipment, and I didn't want to ask anybody. Uh, so it wasn't until I got a trainer. Uh, who gave me some direction that I felt comfortable with it. And I fucking love it. Like there's something, there's something so satisfying for me. Uh, some people when they work out really like uh, to uh, like variety and they like to do a lot of different things. So they take their mind off the fact that they're working out me. I like to do the same shit over and over and over. So like, I like to see like slow, steady, generally slow and steady, small improvements in the amount of weight I'm lifting and taking breaks and listening to music and just like keeping track of my progress. Um, and I find that really rewarding and it, uh, it has made, uh, exercise really fun for me. So that's it. Work, lift weights. So that fulfills the educational content requirement of this mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Yay! Now, we, now we can send it through the mail at media. <laughs> the government's rate. been cracking down on us. Mm -hmm. uh, let's, uh, let's, you know, let's make some recommendations of movies that people should watch instead of this and then put a bow on the whole thing. Let's bow it uh, up. My recommendation is I recently rewatched uh, Lilo and Stitch from 2002. Uh, I don't know. I had a. I've had an itch to see some Stitch. I don't know why. Dan, why are you saving gems like that, that, that for the end of the show? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what it was. I. <laughs> I had been wanting to rewatch it. I remembered liking it at the time. You know, the the nineties uh, Disney Renaissance had passed, and they were kind of like at a point of like at a crossroads, trying to figure out. They they were having some not that successful movies and Lilo's and Stitch came out, tried something a little different and was their most successful movie uh, in a while at that time, you know, after having that dip. Um, and uh, I like it because it's a contemporary story. Uh, you know, it's not like so many Disney movies are not contemporary. Uh, I like that the, the look of it is kind of this beautiful watercolor look that you don't, mm -hmm. Uh, see a lot. There's a lot of character comedy, like just like the kid acts like a real little kid, and there's a, there's a very sort of Calvin and Hobbes quality to the relationship, and also, you know, as Audrey is, uh, you know, uh, her family's from the Philippines. This is about uh, Polynesian uh, sisters in Hawaii, and um, uh, 
sort of, you know, obviously not the same, but Pacific Islander uh, culture. And it's good to see that in Disney, like years, years before Moana was a, a sparkle in anyone's eye. Um, and so it's a movie that I think has gotten a cult following uh, as much as anything from Disney, one of the world's biggest conglomerates can have a cult following <laughs> over the years, but um, is still a little under the radar. And I think it's uh, just a, a lot of fun. So that's I never I never saw it when it came out. I feel what I feel like it came out when I was past the age where I was seeing children's movies often. Well, two thousand two. Yes. So I was twenty two years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it it wasn't a, like any reason to get, but for whatever reason, I've never gotten around to checking it out. And I feel like I keep meaning to. Uh, and people seem to really like it. I feel like it's got. I don't know if. I think it's fair to say it's gotten a little bit of a reevaluation, but yes. kind of it has, and maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a shot. It's a, it's also ninety minutes, so it's you know love that big commitment. Ninety it's a minute fun movie. adventure. Uh, Elliot, you got something in the pipe? I do. I'm going to recommend a movie, a kind of uh, fluffy kind of little movie from 1937 called "The Man Who Could Work Miracles." This is a British movie. Uh, that stars Roland Young and uh, a bunch of the people. Ralph Richardson's in it. Ernest Thesiger, uh, who played Dr. Pretorius in Bride of Frankenstein, he appears in it. Uh, and it's directed by a guy named Lothar Mendes, which Mendes, which I only bring up because Lothar is a fantastic first name. But uh, yeah. it's uh, based on an H.G. Wells story, um, and it is. And he worked on the script, and it's just about uh, this guy who, the, for some reason, the the eternal. Uh, gods of the universe decide to give one man the power to work miracles. Essentially, whatever he wishes for happens, and they want to see what's going to happen to him. And he starts out with very modest ambitions, and his uh, he and very much influenced by the people around him, telling him what he should do with his power. And eventually, he goes a little overboard with it. And it's a movie that I found very like kind of quaintly delightful. It's like a quaint little British mo- like kind of fantasy movie uh, that's sometimes kind of silly. And sometimes takes itself a little too seriously in the way of like tr- thinking it's making a profound message. Uh, but overall, I thought it was just fun. So that's the man who could work miracles. Stu, what about you? Uh, I'm going to recommend a big movie that you've probably already heard uh, about, but I think I would like to throw my hat and say it is definitely good. I'm going to recommend Nope, Jordan Peele's latest movie. Um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's different than his other two. Uh, but he gets some great performances. Um, I don't want to go too much into the plot, but, uh, the movie manages to be both disturbing and like touching at times and it's fun. Uh, and again, not to go too into the plot, but, uh, Dan and I are both big fans of this movie in part, I think, because we're also big fans of a little movie starring Kevin Bacon and Fred, uh, what's his name from, uh, <laughs> Fred, Ward. Fred Ward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little movie called Tremors. So if you like Tremors and you haven't seen Nope yet, why don't you go check out Nope? Why not? Uh, it also does feature a character doing a fucking Akira motorcycle slide, which it's going to be hard for cool. me not to like you movie. Uh, cool. so, so give it a shot. Um, again, Nope. Well, that's it. Uh, it's been a while since we've said this, uh, but if you have a moment, maybe go to iTunes, leave a positive review to help us 
uh, spread word about the show. If you, you know, if you want to leave a negative review, maybe put that energy into meditation or yeah. painting, fixing or your relationships. Anything. Anything yeah, other yeah. than anything other than leaving a review, don't put your energy into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just have a positive review just for the the uh, self control I showed in not doing an Abbott and Costello title uh, style routine in which I ask Stuart if he wants to go see a movie and he says nope and I go oh so you don't want to see a movie and he goes yeah I want to <laughs> see a movie okay which movie you want to see nope so I thought you said you you did want us to go see a movie but you don't want to go yeah. see a movie I want to see a movie what movie nope. Okay, so you don't want to see a movie. So, anyway, so if you appreciate us not doing that, <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. So if you want to thank us for not doing that bit, then yeah. go ahead and leave. It's us great a that Elliot, review, Elliot did the whole bit by himself because I'm sure that if we tried to do it together, we would have just fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, certainly without pre-planning. Um, <laughs> uh, if you want to follow the us on Twitter, we're at the Flophouse Pod. And we're also at the Flophouse Podcast on Instagram. A few extra letters on the end of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> our home is uh, flophousepodcast.com. If you want to check out that site. And as stated before, we are part of the Maximum Fun Network. They are at maximumfun.org. They have a ton of great podcasts. I'm sure there are other ones you would enjoy if you give them a try. And lastly, thank you to Alex Smith. Is at Howell Doughty on Twitter. Thank you for retweeting uh, the news about <laughs> Kevin Smith's continuing horny relationship with his wife. It's you know it's Alex, inspiring. Alex also retweeted that video of you performing in Hair because in the background mm. you can kind of make out Alex was, play, was playing guitar for the band on that yeah. performance, uh, and you can kind of <laughs> see a little Alex uh, in the back. Uh, rewatching that, I fucking love that shit. Seeing Dan with his hair and oh yeah. man, I love it. Two thumbs up. If you want to see <laughs> like a a forty five second clip of uh, me singing the title song from Hair, you can go check that out at our our Twitter. Um, but anyway, thank you for uh, being here for the podcast for the Flop House. In fact, <laughs> I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington, and I'm Elliot Kalen. Bye. Bang. Shorter than the gray man. We did it, guys. Boom, finally. We finally managed to do an episode that's shorter than the movie. <laughs> More like the bored identity, am I right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and think you can top that <laughs> no. shit? Top that no, that shit. was great. No, that was great. It's just... That's perfect. Untoppable. Untoppable. Um, She's alive, damn it. Let's do it. It's a miracle. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.